This is episode 27 of That Time I Got Reincarnated in, in the, the Same, same world, world as an Anime Podcaster, where we talk about anime and manga because it's fun. I'm your host, Isekai Sensei-sama, a.k.a. Brad. I'm joining this weeb cabal by Bento Baggins, a.k.a. Ben. Hisashibori! And Kermit Grog. Ahoy hoy! If it's your first time here, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the other series on our feed. We've got Heron Addiction, where Ben and I read romance and drama manhwa and analyze it way more than it ever should be. And Shonen Jumping the Gun, where Kermit and I read the first chapter of a manga and then make uninformed guesses about how well it'll do. And we want to hear from you. You can talk to us on many different social media platforms, which you can find links for in the description and on our website, AnimePodcasterReincarnation.com. Come hang out with us on Discord, listen to our Spotify playlist, and get episodes early as well as other perks by supporting us on Patreon. And don't forget to rate the podcast and tell your friends. Well, uh, before we get into it today, as always, I've got a couple news items. Was any news left after last time? <laughs> there, there actually is. Wow. And um, uh, Kermit, I know that you know having all those news items really drains you quite a bit. Yes. Um, so today's news segment is especially for you. Thank you. So I've got. Uh, there's only three items on the list. Perfect. And they're all for you. Let's get to you it. Ready? Uh, wow! My birth, my birthday. So none of these I have. Uh, specific air dates but they're all 2024 at some point so we'll get some more details hopefully in a little while but for now these have been announced so first off the elusive samurai that's finally getting its anime this year isn't it exciting from the creator of assassination classroom i think i'm gonna have a good time with that one i enjoyed reading it uh Everybody should remember that you covered that on the last review extravaganza. Yes, which, which I had to go look back because I forgot that I had done that. Which uh, everybody should uh, get ready. Buckle up your seats. Episode thirty is our next one. It's coming up real soon. Sooner than yeah. uh, we expected. I got, I got mine. <laughs> I don't know about these two jokers. I got. I've been prepped for months. Uh, and the next one I got here. Kinikuman, perfect origin hen. Ultimate muscle coming back in the in the year of our Lord 2024. Yeah. I saw that on there. I was like, what? Yeah. I know. It's weird. <laughs> what it's are weird you looking doing? at these. Some of these characters are just like, you can't do those characters anymore. <laughs> They're all racist stereotypes. And uh and then last but not least. Beastars season three. Yo, I didn't think about us getting more Beastars. I don't know how more off the rails it can get. <laughs> season one, I, I was reading the manga, and season one is generally one of my favorite little like romance and stuff because I don't normally mess with that stuff, but I love mm. it. It speaks to me dearly. Season two is just the most like drug fueled. We're doing this, we're doing that, and it just sort <laughs> of gets by on being the most insane thing. So like, I don't know what happens next. Everybody says the manga's ending is just like the author was done and mm. just did some shit. So like, I have no idea what's coming at me, but I will also say if it's, if, if I can get an intro as killer as the first two seasons, I'm, I'm about it. Cause the first two seasons of B stars OPs are like top tier. Yeah. I've, uh, good stuff. I've never watched it, but that, that OP, the one that we have on our, our playlist. Are is both really of them. I think, cause I think you shared me with that English version that I, adore. right. It's the same song, but it's, yeah, yeah the English version of it. 
So yeah, uh, 2024 is looking pretty good looking for anime. Pretty good. Hello. Yes. I got I got a bunch of of my own stuff coming up, and and you got your stuff too. I got some things too. Yeah. Nothing for Ben. Nothing for Ben. He gets more of my hero academia <laughs> homework. Back to the mines with you. I'm I'm sure there's an Oshinoko season two out there somewhere. I, I didn't see it on the list. Not, not yet. What's They're up? still putting out YouTube videos. They've got a a Valentine's Day uh, Giri Choco mm. special thing going on, which isn't helping my defense that it's not a harem thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's friend chocolate. There's it's okay. Yeah, obligation chocolate. Obligation yeah. chocolate. I choo choo choose to give you this chocolate because I'm obligated to. <laughs> oh, there should be Ralph Wiggum, Gary Choco. <laughs> I don't know who it's for, but like. <laughs> it's obligate. It's like it's really obligated chocolate. Like I really don't want to give this to you, but we have the concept of face, so we have to. But I want you to know. Yeah. All right. Wow, what a. Spick and span little news segment. I told you. I love it. After we spent charged up by that. Half an hour on the last one. <laughs> so I've been thinking. We've we've now done two maybe three episodes where we've talked about villains. And sort of like the anti-hero kind of thing. Um, but I was wondering, we've never really talked much about heroes. There's been, you know, in those villain talks, we've talked about it a little bit. And, you know, here and there, we talk about the different series and, and the protagonists of those series and everything. But we've never really sort of gone in depth on, like, what makes the hero of a manga or an anime and what actually, like compels you to want to follow this person on their adventures or you know whatever that may be yeah i mean what we kind of touched on like them through the ages but not like what what makes them tick and what makes them different than like i mean our our most nearby point is like comic book heroes in the west which is our kind of closest comparison point yeah. but yeah we've never yeah we we're deepen on villains but they're not they're never always for reasons we've covered they're never as quite as memorable as the heroes are because the heroes obviously get to stick around yeah and i wonder if it co- sort of comes down to the fact that a villain can just be more interesting just because they're sort of outside the bounds of like society and and what is acceptable for a person to be doing but the the hero is still always sort of like the central point of a story. I mean, if you think about like a My Hero Academia, Bleach, Demon Slayer, like they all have this central character that even if they have some sort of like um, you know, edginess to them, they're they're still like I am a person who's going to save people or I have to be the best. That's a lot. A lot of them is I have to be the best. Well, I guess that's the part, you know, maybe that's part of the conversation is like, is someone who's exclusively just like, I have to be the best at something. Is that a hero? I think that's the question of it. I think that's what makes, uh, cause I was, I was cooking on this recently, um, reading one piece and dragon ball and some other things where it's like, 
I think we get frustrated with the heroes because we think they need to do good, but I think they are compelling because they are not always just goody two shoes. That their their aims are their own, and they happen to do good along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what what makes them different. I think we ran into that. I think it was within our villains chat where it's that sense of like progression and moving through things. It's not the battle of good and evil. It's the battle of self improvement, and that creates different kinds of heroes with different kinds of aims than like a, a classic Western hero would. Yeah. I mean, there's, there is definitely, there seems to always be a through line, even with a hero who's exclusively like, I'm going to save people. Like they still need to train and get better to, you know, take on the next threat that's going to come along. Yeah. So that, that progression is still a central part of it, even if it's not like, their stated goal of I have to get better, you know. It's it's part of it. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Luffy and Goku's kind of in there where it's like it feels like them doing good is the second part. Like right. Luffy's goal is like I'm going to be king of the pirates and taking steps towards that, and that sometimes causes him to show behavior that you wouldn't expect of a hero. And even if he does good in the end, he's not just perfect at it um and that can be frustrating more than a villain kind of going off the path but you don't see that as a lot in the in the more standard not anti-heroes in western culture i think obviously i'm sure we'll find something at some point but i could be talking out of my butt and if (laughs) i am somebody please correct me but i think part of the reason the cultivation stuff and the self-improvement stuff is bigger in Asia is because there's a bigger emphasis on like really being the best of whatever thing you are, you can be in like Confucianism and Taoism and Buddhism. There's, there's like a purity of craft. Yes. I would, I I would agree with that. And so I think that's sort of like the Goku thing is like Goku only wants to be a better fighter and that pure motive of self-improvement will just lead him to doing good because pure self-improvement and hard work are just for lack of a better word, like good karma. And I'm Mm -hmm. probably, that's probably not the right word to use here, but like, it's just, that's not going to steer you wrong. Yeah, he's on Goku is placed on a good path by that even if he's not always like he's not a Spider-Man. Like he's not um like Spider-Man great power comes great responsibility. He's focused Spider-Man is focused on I need to protect the city, I need to protect the people. I need to be here for that reason where Goku like you said is like he is getting stronger by virtue of like I want to fight stronger guys. Like he just it just always happens to be that the strongest guy is the villain, so he wants to fight them. Or his friends when call that, upon him to it. And that's part of the reason, like, the, the sports manga, and now we're in the age of the um, the arts manga with, like, Akane Banashi and mm-hmm. uh, Beat in Motion. Sports and, and crafts. Yeah, like, Boji the Rock, all those, like... Um, or if, I don't know if it's called Boji the Rock. I forget what that one's I think called. that's what it's called. Boji the Rock? Yeah. The, the pink-haired girl, she plays, like, a bass guitar or whatever. Oh, she's, yeah, like, she's, she's an, an introvert. Um... 
But it's it's all about they, they, you can take that manga story of training and working hard and apply it to almost anything, and it's interesting because somebody being the best they can be at whatever it is they do is inherently like appealing and inherently good. There's I don't know like if a it's there's there's inherently just, good, but yeah. <laughs> I think it is very compelling. Well, that's what I, I think there's this juxtaposition between heroes in the East versus West, at least media wise, because just like you said, the this um, this Eastern media philosophy of like, I need to get better at what I'm doing. I'm going to save people along the way is a very core part of all of these various stories that we read. But then you juxtapose that with a spider-man a superman you know all those western superheroes and it's more like and we've talked about this a lot before where it's like they're given all of the power right away and then they have to figure out what to do with that power they have to deal with the the social and other implications of what they are doing and right. the moral implications and not the is superman strong enough to punch the guy enough to save lois lane it's never about that and I find it interesting how deep in philosophies that we might not think about moment to moment can shape cultural stories. And admittedly, like, I think that's true of any culture. We just happen to be looking at a, spe a very specific culture that forms that stuff. But I'm sure that storytelling from a country's, like, general, because obviously you don't want to group it too much because everybody's an individual. But, like, there are certain things that are different from place to place about what people hold yeah. important or compelled to by, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of that culture growing and changing and whatnot. I think it's, there's this weird thing where, like, even though the sort of the basics are similar where you have, um, you know, there's a bad guy and they're doing bad things and I have to come in as the, the hero and I have to save the people and defeat the bad guy. In, in this Western media mindset, it's more like, I have to be a hero because I have this power. Whereas the Eastern media mindset sort of seems to be more, I need to gain power in order to rescue people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think about, I'm going to come back to One Piece a lot because I'm still reading it, but like... Luffy specifically goes, I need to train because I got, me and my team got curb stomped and I was not strong enough to protect them. So I need to go train to do that now. He can't just decide. He's not dealing with like some sort of political maneuvering. It's literally like, I can't punch good enough. I'm not literally <laughs> physically strong enough to do this. Mm. So I have to spend time training. And that being a part of the story. Something that really hit me between Luffy and Goku, and I'm sure there's other ones, those are just what's coming to my head, that I don't think you would ever see in comics unless it was, like, an anti-hero or, like, whatever a Deadpool is, I guess. But, like, Superman is never going to be mean to a random civilian he's trying to save or interact with. But, like, Goku and Luffy and others, I'm sure, like I said, are rude to just random people all the time. And that's just part of what they do they are not just you know are they generally on the side of right like do compared to the villains do we call them goody two-shoes yeah but they're still more 
their own people where they will be rude or standoffish to people who are not bad, who don't necessarily deserve that behavior, but it's like, that's just who they are. And we, we'd never see that in our, like, these are the heroes. And now, like, you know, Spider-Man quips at people, but he's not, like, he's not quipping at, like, the civilians he's saving. He's not being mean to, like, he's not being rude to them in moments if he's confused. Like, that's not, that's just not a thing that's going to happen in a comic book unless you, again, have, like, a Deadpool type or somebody who's like, ah, get over here, bub. Like, the hero heroes, the top of the charts guys, your Batmans and whatnot, don't do that. Captain America is not going to say something bad to people he's saving in the way that a Goku would. And I find that is interesting about the the standard maybe we as Americans hold to them and maybe that's why like that's a question I'd love to get answered. Do people in Japan get frustrated about Goku's behavior in the way that we do? Mm. And cuz the answer is I have no idea. Yeah. They're frustrated how? Cuz we always get frustrated it's like because at the end of the day, even if he go seems like a good guy, Goku's main motivating factor is I need to be the strongest and I want to get in bigger, better fights. And that will, a lot of the time, put his friends, uh, entire cities, planets, uh, galaxies, universes, timelines, all at risk because he wants to punch the strong guy and get punched. Yeah, I mean, it depends because I know <laughs> in Japan there was a lot of disagreement about the anime portrayal of Goku being a lot more heroic than the manga. Like Toriyama has talked about that a couple of times, how he, he never saw Goku as a hero and he doesn't like how the anime made him seem like a hero. It, it downplays a lot of his stupid decisions, his selfish decisions. That he is a hick, but we just don't, like, be, by virtue of the version that we got at the time we were all formative and the other people that we osmosis it from, like, He's he's not a hick in the American dub. Like yeah. he's just no. He's just a man. And is he a little dumb sometimes? Yes, but it's like as a concept we just don't take him in as what he actually is. Well, and that's a like is it that when they localized it, they were like we need to make this more like western superheroes. Almost well, Toriyama was even talking about the Japanese version. But the West, the the version in the West, when they changed his voice from a female voice actor to a, a male voice actor who does the hero voice, who sounds big and tough and masculine, and really like, it, it's just it hits different when you hear Goku yelling at Frieza in Japanese. He sounds annoyed and fed up, and, and all like all these all these different emotions. Whereas in America. <laughs> You hear it, and he sounds angry and intimidating and just very macho. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess there's literally our sensibilities shaping these stories coming over, at, admittedly at a time when we were not as, I don't not cognizant, cognizant is not the word, that we weren't as, you know, careful about maintaining context and tone yeah. and all that. Because, I mean, what? Well, like, if you, oh, sorry, you go, bud. Oh, no, I was going to say, if you see Dragon Ball Super now, um, it's the same voice actor doing Goku, Sean Schemmel, I think. Sean Schemmel, yeah. Sean and yeah, um, like he has pitched his voice up for the standard Goku delivery versus what it used to be. Yeah, but it's still like we Goku's 
never going to be the Japanese Goku. And I don't mean that just by language in America because that's not who Goku in America is and it's too late to change the train. Unless we do like a back from square one situation. I mean, Dragon Ball Daima. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But like, people are still going to be like, well, that's not Goku. But it's like, it is Goku. He's just not our Goku, which is a weird Goku that is real because he existed, but he didn't exist because it's not what Goku is, but also he's a fictional character. He never existed, yada, yada, yada. So the bit I wanted to say to that, though, a little bit with this whole, like, how it changed coming over is, like, because so many major shonen series where the main male character is played by an old, an old woman, or maybe they're old <laughs> now, like... I think the West figured that out then, because like at least the big ones I can think of, like Naruto, is played by a woman in America in the English dub. Luffy is played by a woman in the English dub. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't know English who voices. Dubs. I don't know the recent dubs. I don't know who's who's dubbing like no, Deku um, or Tanjiro. But I guess those are both always, played by <clears throat> boy men. It always makes more sense to me when the the child is played by a woman. But then when it's like an old, they, like the fact that like an old granny pl- is playing Naruto in both Japanese yeah. and English is really funny and strange to me. Yeah. Have you ever seen, this is kind of related. Have you ever seen those like comparisons of video game box art in Japan versus yes. uh, yep. America? Angry Kirby. And in Japan. It, yeah. It's always more violent. <laughs> like they'll literally make Kirby look angry in America versus Japan. It's all cute. Yep. Kirby's here and he's pissed. He's pissed to have had to come to America. I mean, Kirby, well, Kirby feels like actually a character that really fits this where it's just like cute and cuddly and like, no, he's just doing his Kirby thing. Like he just happens to be solving these problems, but he's just Kirbying around. I mean, lore wise, he's literally just a force of nature. Exactly. <laughs> Poyo. I don't know the Kirby lore at all. Poyo. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Oh, do you know? There's like deep, deep Kirby lore that I will never comprehend of like crazy space stuff that happens yeah. when you like beat the double extra game and you get all the lore and it's like. Kirby, Poyo. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely think there's also something too about the age of most of those heroes in the the shonen comics versus um the American comics where in the American comics the hero is almost always an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the and fact that, that Peter Parker as a teenager was like, like one of oh, the this most, is the weird, crazy thing. He's one of the most relatable yeah. ones, though. And they've tried to make others, but it's always just, here's the young version of this other guy. And it's like... Short of... Uh, there's a bunch of X-Men that are teenagers, but like... Baby Goku, Teenager Luffy, Teenager Naruto, Teenager Deku, like, Teenager Tanjiro. a lot of those, the X-Men teenagers, that's more of a recent thing, right? Like the I original... Mean, the yeah. 70s. The original run of those X-Men. Are they adults then? I don't actually know. They're, they're adults basically adults. I mean, they're young adults, but... They're not kids. Yeah, they're basically They're not sub-18 children going on a journey. Because even like, you know, you think about like Starfire and, and Robin and Ray and all that. The they, they were, they were, I think they called them teenagers, but they were like 18 originally. Yeah. They were not going to high school. Yeah. And I think part of it is you had this problem in the West with the Comics Code Authority where superheroes were the only thing they could get through. And for God's sake, how long was Stan Lee in charge of Marvel? And I know everybody loves him. I don't really. <laughs> I don't think he was that great. And he didn't come up with half the stuff he's credited with. But all of it was drawn from that 
1940s sci-fi of like a, a, a scientist or a titan of industry i'm an adventurer it's a yeah comic but it's the 50s yeah, i'm just a be- normal guy wearing spandex yeah <laughs> well the, the and great, i've got a gun <laughs> and I've got one of the most magical things about? about shonen manga is it ends yeah at some point it's one guy making it he can only make it for so long and it's that's stopping now. Everything's getting sequels and spinoffs. spin-offs. But Kaiju number eight has a spinoff. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> what? Kaiju number eight has yeah. an anime coming and a spinoff already. And I, I, it's my own tangent. I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, they've discovered the money to be made in IP. But yeah, America where's my Swakamoto like... Days anime? Come on. <laughs> but we got stuck with these characters that are relics of the forties. And we have to constantly try to find a way to make Captain America work in 2024 because it's just too recognizable of a property. So you think because he's he's stuck in time? I mean, I mean, Captain America was literally stuck in time, so he's not the greatest example <laughs> to talk about using that verbiage. But like, we're we as Americans have that as our our quote unquote ideal hero just because we've had that frozen since the fifties. I think the whole, the comics code authority stuff that we've got a holdover from that where these stories that we originally had, had to be like American exceptionalism and like ideal individual rugged individualism and everything. We do get the anti-hero, but then the, the question is, is there a comparison point to your manga hero and that somebody who is good but is not your standard goody two-shoes hero but is not an anti-hero who's not like a gruff like loner type like do we have (laughs) this archetype at all somewhere yeah we do i mean i'd say a lot of the x-men got into that and i've said this before on the podcast when i was a kid you either read the x-men or everything else yeah yeah, because there was there was a dozen in universe X Men comics, and it was a big soap opera, and they hardly ever interacted with the Avengers except for the big team ups at the end of the year. It's like a character but, who is generally good, but is like morally gray, but not in a way that you would notice unless you were like really trying to fit him to an alignment chart. Because I don't think about Luffy's being morally gray but he's kind of guided by his own compass that is not what is best for the situation. His compass is, I'm going to be king of the pirates. He has a specific goal that is for himself that creates, that solves problems in his wake, we'll say. Yeah. He's moral relative to his world. Correct. And the problem is, all of our comics, for a long time, I know there's indie comics that, that are different, but for a long time they all tried to be gritty and realistic in the 90s our our celebrated heroes we'll say how about that the people we put in balloons and on buses well but even then i mean you you had friggin 90s superman black suit and he got killed and but then he came back and all that <laughs> bullshit is garfield like... our goku <laughs> Gar- garfield is morally gray i guess he doesn't really solve problems no uh, Garfield's goals are napping and eating lasagna and he also k- kicking Odie and mailing Nermal and this is falling apart very quickly. That's but that's the thing though cuz you think about that period of time where like everything had to be dark and gritty in in western comics and like Batman very easily fit into that. But everybody else was sort of just like 
you know, teenager edgy and like sort of lame in that regard, but they still were centered around. I have the, this power and I'm going to save people sort of the narrative shifted more to like, Oh, I have this power. It's, it's bad that I have this power, but I'm going to do good with it. You know, kind of like, yeah, but it was still framed in that way. And it, and, and it, I can't really think of a time where it ever shifted to like, we gotta, we gotta train up so that we can face the next big threat. It's like all of the, the hero, the Western heroes get, paired up against a villain that matches them. And like, if there's a bigger, worse villain, there's a bigger, better superhero to take to them deal on. with it. Yeah. I'm going to throw but, a name. Oh, sorry. You go, Ben. Oh no. I was going to say, I really think the cultivation thing comes back to the, the, the whole idea of like chi and stuff mm-hmm. in the West. You just get as strong as like peak performance. You're, you're an Olympic athlete. That's the top. There's there's a limit. You're already there. Right. You have to solve problems with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bat a name at you guys, and I think it's fitting because this is a guy that Japan does love, that I think maybe fits what I'm looking for. Popeye. Mm. That's a weird one because yeah. there's. I'm not super up on my Popeye lore, but like he is a guy who punches things and solves problems. But he's not always like I'm doing good. He's I'm doing good for me. But well, he's yeah, not his... an anti-hero. He's not necessarily like a jerk. Well, he would save everybody, but it was he never really got himself. He never put himself in situations. He didn't like seek it out. It was more like he's just going around doing his thing, and those situations come to him. Is that, that he has not to Goku? I mean, is th- that not Dragon yeah. Ball? Is that not Z? Is I mean, technically even Z. Is that not Dragon Ball? But he also, I mean, Popeye I, I doesn't think have a goal. True, yeah. but and and there's also like he didn't really, he didn't train or anything. Like he he had that power. He gets a power up from spinach, but like yeah. th- there's, that's it. And so, yeah, it's weird because it sort of straddles that line of like that that pirate notion. Of I'm just doing this because I want to. I'm going on my set path. Yeah. And if you get in my way, screw you, buddy. But that's also a gag character, as opposed to a Superman or Captain America or something like that. No, but I think that I think I'm trying to find this connector point because Popeye is a character Japan likes. Yeah. And has liked for literally longer than I've been alive. Nintendo. One of Nintendo's first games is Popeye. <laughs> like he's well, popular. Part of the reason it appeals um, is because World War II. That was just a popular cartoon about a sailor around that time when there were a ton of Americans in Japan. But I think the other part of it is it. It is more like a manga. It's a wacky world with stylized rules and a funny guy. It's a gag manga. Yeah. I think that's why it works. But there's something about it that that sticks around. I mean, I guess I'm using the tentpole of Nintendo made a game about that, that like it's 80, it's what, it's 30 plus years from when there's the American occupation to when they make the Popeye game and are still making Popeye merch. Like, I, I I don't know how much I can use this as a, a point of like this is a character of Japan. Maybe we can use that as are there other American characters that Japan specifically was like is still big on. Mm. 
Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, but that's in a different way. Yeah. I don't know how much they like the reason that... I, I don't want to be like, you guys like it, but not for the... We are not alike. We don't like... We like it for different <laughs> reasons. But it feels like a lot of Spider-Man is more of a, like, what went into Sentai stuff. That's, and maybe I, I was need just to be thinking, more knowledgeable about Sentai. There is there is another side to this because we've, we've, we've talked a lot about the... Uh, you know, the training arc kind of thing where it's like, I need to get power more powerful to fight the next villain and everything. But like the super Sentai stuff, they, that's just, they were that powerful. Like they get the suit. They're very Western. Yeah. There's, I feel like I've run into this and um, I believe we'll be talking about in a later segment, but I, I, I've read a book of like an old uh, English made book about manga and I found that it's weird how much stuff in manga is from the West, and it's just been so long that we just don't know it. Mm. Like, it has just, it's like, it's it's grown over so much that you're like, oh, these ruins, and it's like, oh, this used to be a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> but they were ancient, they're ancient ruins to us now. Like, I think a lot more gets plucked from Western stuff than we think. Well, I mean, and that makes total sense, given the way that Japan built up after World War Two, no, but it's pre World War. We had that last time with whatever topic I was talking about. I don't remember, like, mm. or with Christmas. It was Christmas. A lot more came from the West into Japan than we think about because we just go, "Oh, the Americans show up after World War Two, and that's when they get all of their Western stuff." And it's like, no, this stuff is like they have Disney movies before the war. Why did they attack us? What? <laughs> there was a lot of assholes we in Japan a, at we, that moment. We had a navy in the Pacific, and they wanted it. We were on the other side of the Pacific, and they were on that side. Because they thought we were going to be coming. They liked they said, all our stuff. Why didn't they just leave well enough alone? <laughs> Dude, like I said, World War One, Japan, on side of the quote-unquote allies, on the, on the American side, quote-unquote. Because America did not support Japanese imperialism, and they thought that was hypocritical and racist. I mean, a little bit. And maybe it kind of was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, extent. yeah, this is... Both are right. One is maybe a little bit more right than the other. Probably still shouldn't have attacked us. Yeah, no, shouldn't have. <laughs> or anyone. But well, they're gonna. <laughs> I think. I think in that moment we were more right of their imperialism of killing a bunch of Koreans. I'm gonna. I'm getting off topic. Back to hero talk. We'll talk about that some other time. I'm sure. <laughs> no, but I think you're right. Like we, we stop. definitely our comic book industry is crippled to this day from the comics book authority oh, yeah and i think that's the reason manga and anime took off so hard in america is there was no one looking at that market that is mentioned in my manga book is that the american comics code happened and that kind of thing never happened to japan they had people like calling for boycotts but it never the the publishers are just like yeah so what f you we're gonna double down <laughs> Like, it's so weird seeing that. Like, I'm so used to American capitalism where it's just like, oh, our bottom line. You stop that interesting thought, artist, where they're just like the publishers of Japan are just like, oh, yeah, fuck it. Just keep drawing your porn. I don't know. (laughs) Or whatever the heck stories you're drawing. Like, it is it's like it's it's a thing I think about is like what what is the time look like where the comics code doesn't happen and American comics get to properly like grow and aren't just like choked not choked out entirely in the cradle but like stuck in arrested development for decades well, and then once they book, get out of the starting block it's kind of too late i don't like, know if your book covered it but like one of the argument one of the things i've read is that in the 60s both countries have huge protest movements in america 
the media associated with that becomes music. In Japan, manga got deep into the protest movement. I got a little of that. That was one of the things I want to. I don't want to bring what's there too much to now, but like, yeah. that is one of the things where it's like Japan has a bunch of political comics. I was like, Japan has a bunch of political comics that inspired by British political comics and like the New Yorker. And I'm like, what is what? Like, it was weird. We are we are limited in our our everyday exposure. I guess that's the thing is like we had the comics code, but like. Wow, this is getting way off topic from where we started, but this I just like this topic too much. Like, America, even if our, like, creative stuff got stifled, like, people could still make political comics. Like, that was a, a thriving scene that grew into its own stuff. And Japan, that got choked out in the cradle by the government, and that created a very different thing. So I think maybe that's... I'm not equipped to talk about the politics of either of these countries over the last <laughs> however many decades to it, but like maybe this well, but, is where your heroes go when you are allowed, you're not stuck by this rigid code and being, you know, by virtue of like, this is what comics are where manga isn't that really where it's like manga was very experimental. Even if we only are mostly seeing the punch stuff now, like because of its roots, it, it became as Ben said, like this big cultural thing countrywide. I mean, literally, to tie it back to the hero thing, why can't Superman uh, be mean to civilians? He's not allowed. That's in the comics code. Yeah. The hero can't blur the line between hero and criminal. If you read the comics code, the guidelines, that story would have been rejected. And now it's 2024 and Superman still has an established personality as being the kind of person that doesn't exist, who never gets mad at anybody. Who doesn't deserve it? He's the, a hero. Is somebody a, a Western hero? Is somebody unattainable on an emotional, moral level, and an Eastern hero is unattainable on a physical ability. Well, I mean, level. so is the, <laughs> the Western. Um, I I don't know because like I I like having a couple of those sort of like idealistic heroes. And putting them into situations where they need to deal with their idealism and how that affects, you know, the people around them and everything. I, I, I like Superman to be there. Yeah. To sort of be like, this is the perfect guy and you should strive for this even though you can't reach it. Yeah, he's not bad. I, I'm he's definitely Jesus. in the state that like he is not but, bad and he has his own things that make him interesting yeah. and compelling. When you when you look at the 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 comics code authority though, like the fact that they all have to be that that's where I think you run into problems because you just get this homogenized sort of flat platform of like, everybody is the same. We're all doing the same thing just in different cities. And I'm not being pedantic when I say he's Jesus. Like that's the point of the comics code authority is comics are under that authority, under those guidelines exist to teach children how to behave morally. They're not to entertain. They're not to make you think they're there to provide like subliminal messaging about morality. And at the time it's a Christian morality being exercised against those godless communists. And it stripped all deeper messaging out of comics until the 
70s. And by then, every company that was doing anything interesting was totally out of business. Some of them did try to keep publishing, but no store would stock the comics without that stamp on it mm. because they turned it into a whole McCarthy thing. Do you think why that's why there's such this hard turn into the antihero then and all that and the grittiness I mean, because yeah, I would think they so. were like stuck and that's why we don't have these like, we're just going to call them like middle path heroes that are not super moralist but not necessarily more along the lines of a luffy or goku kind of yeah thing. yeah these just these are guys out doing their thing yeah because uh, everybody who was interested in a nuanced artistic expression left comics yeah and i think it's only with the popularity of anime and manga or maybe coincidentally since the times have changed that some of that blood is getting injected back into american comics we we are starting to see new stuff finally. That is that is interesting. Cuz yeah, a lot of the heroes that you see becoming a lot more popular now with the rise of um you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff are they're still quintessentially heroes who are going and they're rescuing people and they're like morally upright and everything, but they're also sort of snarky and they quip a lot, you know, you yeah, got your Doctor Strange, your Tony Stark and, and them where it's, it's, it's more like, uh, their, their actions are still heroic, but they're, they're going to like be a bit of a dick while they're doing it. You, you saying the Disney stuff, actually not even superheroes. I think somebody who actually kind of fits it. It's Mando. It's Mandalorian a little bit. Man set by codes goes around doing stuff not always just purely the most moral guy i don't think i'd call him an anti-hero he was a villain like like the mandalorians in the star wars movies were bounty hunters and bounty hunters were bad guys yeah he's of that cloth but i mean literally the one in the mandalorian yeah he's i mean not those guys i think that's more along the lines of boba fett i don't know if the the full gamut no of- i understand that but what i'm saying is we talk about like why do we like villains so much than so much more than heroes and it's because villains were allowed to be complex mm-hmm. but heroes had to be an example but i'm saying now that we are out of that we are out of the comics code because i mean you're, you we're you feel the effects of those things for a long time in ways that you can't parse because you can't comprehend the universe where that Decades could pass from that divergent moment. Also, I don't know that that's entirely fair, considering that like a lot of um, villains in anime and manga are also complex and interesting. Yes, but they're both both hero and villain can be complex. We had yeah. the ability to do both of that in our comic medium. Definitely on the Western side, like I can see it coming out of that because of the fact that the the hero had to be a blank slate, basically of. Well, upright morality but there's a second thing to that though because when you get the people that grew up with manga in their student movements and and they stayed with manga a little longer than most american teenagers stayed with comics you get characters that are meant to appeal to more emotionally mature people right yeah there's a market for it because it wasn't being you know choked to death by a code and it was allowed to culturally flourish 
then I'm still just like it's not necessarily a hero chat, but I'm still coming back to like where America in the '60s counterculture mo- movement went in music that it it was in manga for Japan, and how that changed. Like I think when I look at that, because like we didn't, there wasn't a really a crackdown in music. I know we're we're getting off the reservation a little bit more again, but like if you if you look at Japanese music and American music, American music is like really we still to this day care so much about authenticity and message and morals unless it's pop but pop is treated as cheap whereas in japan no one questions the fact that it's a giant machine yeah yeah, we've talked about that it just our 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 goku is just showed up in other places he showed up in music he was not in comics Bob Dylan is our Goku. Bob Dylan is our Goku. I mean, like, Bob Dylan is our Spike Spiegel or something. Like, it's all of that edginess in music. Japan doesn't seem to want that in music. I mean, and we're painting with a broad brush here. Obviously, there's... The general, the pop culture... I mean, but that's what all of these are. These characters can exist yeah. in either one, but by the generally the ones that stick around for ages or that are, are very popular are venerated and remembered. The ones that bubble up to the surface the most. Like, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm just trying to... We've covered a lot of stuff here, and I don't know that there's any conclusion to this. I... It's, it's tough to. Com- I think the conclusion for me is you you can't do a one to one comparison. Yeah, they're just of different worlds. Comic book heroes across these countries because the political situation, the cultural situation, it's it's so different. But I don't think there's anything different about the people because America just devoured manga as soon as we could get our yeah. hands on it. It's just expressed in di- in a different format. It's it's almost good in a way that Japan existed to preserve whatever um, artistic merit our comic books had to sell it back to us later after the comics book authority was gone. <laughs> and our, our did we did we uh, sell them back their the music authenticity? No, we sold them our music. They they still haven't quite. Yeah, they see. Yeah, they sold us our music. They sold them our music. They love it. Yeah. I think the moral, not the moral, but the the point of this is our continuing painting of the way culture ideals can instill into the stories a culture generally writes and how that can shape the characters and the storylines and the villains and the themes of what they're about. Even if the themes can be same across both how they are approached, I think this is just another part of that painting of that showing of a difference and i think one day i want to remember this painting when we finally do our hamburger shown an episode <laughs> and dig into those with that painting nearby to go okay what is being brought over in these attempts to recreate this over here because i still don't think as many things are anime like that were made in the west i don't know if i've had one that felt like a shonen manga or an anime nothing has things have have aped the style and done similar things but none of them have gotten the bones the structure of it they've been always very superficial and like oh they shout the attack names but none of them have gotten i don't think have gotten 
the bones of it. So I guess this is our continuing uh, exhumation of the bones <laughs> of these stories. I'm, I'm, I'm shouting the bones a lot. It's fun. I'm going to throw this out there. This might be a completely other discussion to have yeah i mean we're already i'm already i'm pitching um, i'm setting up for a a sequel down the line that will that will cite back to this in the (laughs) bibliography the uh what you mentioned ben about like you know we got we took manga and went oh this is what we wanted with comics but we couldn't get it and then to a certain extent maybe giving japan music and saying this is what you wanted but you couldn't have but we didn't get music we didn't get the manga until much later right right but i'm wondering if there is a thing there where it's like, cause I've always thought a lot about like, Oh, you know, the, the future of humanity is we need to become a global society and, you know, everybody can, can be taken care of. And, you know, so utopian ideals that maybe are unrealistic, but like the general sense of like, we're an interconnected world. But that makes me wonder if like the fact that we have these different societies that do that are structured differently, um, maybe in bad ways, but maybe in good ways. In different ways. That sort of like all have these, these different outlets for, you know, the, the cultural zeitgeist that when we later sort of pass them between cultures allows for those important things to, to stick around where they might not have in a more homogenous humanity. Yeah. I think you're stumbling onto a, a point. A lot of people have made who, who are scared of the, the globalization. It happens a lot. Like with languages, there's so many languages that are dying that are just being wiped out by English and other people who are not native to that society are learning them to try to preserve them. Uh, there's a reason why France forces kids to speak French, even though many would rather just speak English because it's easier. But I do think that you're going to see something happen, and you've already started to see it as English becomes prevalent and the internet connects everybody, of the the borders of where you live matter less to your culture than what you're interested in and, and where you hang out online. You see it, I see it a lot in music today. Like, if you're into, uh, I'm into two very different spheres of like EDM music and heavy music. And you'll see them occasionally like branch across. Most people never tread too far out of like their bubble there. But you do see different interests and, and tools and techniques come up that sometimes get shared. Mm. But yeah. You will lose something if we globalize. It's not going to look the way it looks now, and it'll take us a while to to shake out and differ, like disperse and diverge again. And well, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. No, but maybe something to pay attention to as you're consuming all the various media, Western or otherwise, or Eastern or otherwise. Pay attention. See what what you think is being pulled in from other cultures and what we might be taking from those cultures.
So I've been having this issue recently. Uh, yes, we're in the uh, Isekai Sensei Sama Yells at Cloud segment. <laughs> you know what grinds my gears? You know what creases my pages? So I think everybody is in agreement that the Freer in anime is just excellent, right? Yes. There's been this Discord. Not Discord. Discourse. There's been this discourse online. In a Discord. On yes, Discord. Probably. And other places. <laughs> probably Reddit. I'm going to guess Reddit. It's discordant uh, in that. <laughs> so the the issue that I had, and, and this is not really a big deal, but um, the anime is sort of uh, positioning the relationship between Himmel and Freerin in a much more romantic way than the manga really portrayed it, at least early on. For, for a while, yeah. Um, and when a lot of the conversation started coming out, when you know, the, the, the anime first released and people started talking about it, everybody was like all on board with this ship, Himmel and Freerian. Oh, and like, I'm reading that I'm, I'm reading this, this discourse as an avid Freerian manga reader and going, what are you guys talking about? No, she's oblivious to everything that's going on. That's the whole point. Like, it's not about their romance. It's about, Freerin exploring emotions and all this, but that's what the majority of the conversations were about is this, this romance stuff. And it frustrated me because my experience with the manga was so much more around like Freerin's experience of like human emotions. Like she's, so old and she's so disconnected from the world having lived so long that she couldn't really understand the connections that she was having with these people that she journeyed with for 10 years. And it wasn't until that journey was long over that she sort of awoke to what that actually meant to her. And I didn't think that the manga and the anime for that matter, was hiding that. It wasn't like something you had to dig down and search for to find that deeper meaning. It was, it was fairly upfront about what it was exploring. And that got me thinking, because this is something that, you know, we've gone over some, some, somewhat on the podcast, but also just in our regular conversations. I think we've gone over this quite a bit, where we find that the the conversations that people have about a lot of the media that we consume tends to be very surface level and and a lot of times seems to completely miss the point they miss the point and i think the general question that i sort of want to answer and what i want to go over in this in this segment is like is it okay to just let people consume these things at a surface level to just miss the point and just have fun with it. Okay. Before we delve in, I'm going to confirm because I know you've been, you've been vaguely talking about this idea. And now we're here and talking about it in detail. Is this conversation just the meme where it's the little cartoon guy looking at a Gundam and he's like, wow, robots are cool. And the Gundam is shooting like a missile that is arcing over top of his head that it's like war is bad or whatever Gundam <laughs> is actually about that people use, especially for anime. Yeah. Like, I people mean, missing the point of I th- it. I think there's I think there's some of that. And if we had talked about this two years ago, 
I might have been more along the lines of like, oh, people need to think more deeply about what they're consuming. But my experience with the Frere and stuff, which has sort of also expanded my uh, thoughts on the media consumption in general and made me like look in other various areas for the conversations that are happening. It seems like even sort of the more overt in your face conclusions that the stories are trying to draw are just completely missed. You know, I, I I don't, if you rule that it's not okay to let people consume these things at a surface level, I have to ban you from all those slavery isekai you read. <laughs> and I, yeah. that's sort of... <laughs> spoilers, but the conclusion that I've come to is I think it's fine. Um, you, can't, you can't stop people right, to you can't do that as dumb and stupid and, and you know, police state-y. But like, but like do, but we I, have a, do we have an obligation to go do we into have a, these... Do we have a soapbox to go, you guys are missing the... It's, it's the kind of people... I think it's when it becomes... I don't even know if hypocritical is the right word, but it's like people talking about... I know the one I wanted to bring into this is us finally talking about One Piece in somewhat more detail. Is like people going like, One Piece isn't a political story. It's like, <laughs> have you read One Piece at all? And this I do... story that's constantly about a corrupt government <laughs> and capitalism and racism and years of like... <laughs> All of this. And I do, I just before we move on to address Ben's point, just, <laughs> just because I read all of those things doesn't mean that I can't like have a conversation about it and understand sort of the more nuance about of it. You criticize society that you also live inside. <laughs> yes, mm. exactly. <laughs> Interesting, no. But yeah, it, I, I think it, it, com- it comes down to the, the question of like, do I have an obligation as someone who is reading a lot of these things at a more deeper level. Do I have an obligation to go and, and, and find these conversations and, and jump in and say, Hey, there's actually more to this. And if you think about this and that and the other thing, as someone who reads them on a deeper level, no, as a media critic with a media criticism podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like critics, an ugly word. Criticism's an ugly word. We we don't want this to just be a review show, but we that is what we're doing. We're looking I, into yeah. things. We're finding themes. We're. I think that's sort of yeah. The, the this podcast in general, I mean, that's been the the theme that we've the the moral of the segment so many times is like think, think. about the media that you're consuming. Um, but you don't always have to think because you do that all, again. You do that all the time. Yeah, you're kind of the yeah. perfect. You're the perfect storm for this conversation. But we also don't have a huge audience as much as we might like one, and so like, <laughs> so we don't have the responsibility. To, well, no, it's 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 more like like you know we can talk about that stuff on this podcast and get into it and talk about like hey this is actually really deep and and you should think more about this and and just in general think about the media consuming, but like when we're out in these spaces on Reddit or discord or wherever it is. And we see these conversations as. Are you saying, are you obligated to tell people? Obviously we're not obligated, but like morally, should we, 
Should we say? I don't think hey, morality comes into this. No. I think you should have the conversation with people. I think you can gawk at people that are missing a very clear point. I think your initial example, the Fearn thing, is one that I find comical in this a little bit for both using the deeper things, but also missing that theme because that's just not like some of it can come down to just oh I didn't see this. Sometimes I think it's like oh my gosh you dumb teenagers like how do you not see this? Like well, I that think, was my I thing. think there's varying like levels of it, but I don't think you should like. I don't think you should dunk on people or like educate no, them no. if they I'm don't not- see it unless they're being like again I point back to the like you know one certain ones where it's like so and so's not it's not political and it's like yes it is like you just are being I, I don't willfully or woefully ignorant about what's going on because you want to see haha funny punch man I don't think it's ever helpful to dunk on people I should My say favorite genocidal douchebag Aaron <laughs> Yeager <laughs> Is it appropriate? Do I think it is appropriate for a bunch of edgelords to be running around with that profile pic of Aaron with his man bun and his open shirt and like rippling muscles looking so badass and so cool when he's basically Hitler? Is Aaron Yeager the custard fascist? Is he, is he a Schrodinger's <laughs> fascist where you don't know if he's a fascist or not? I think Aaron oh, Yeager is pretty cut. definitively That's a deep a cut to my own life that yeah. we've never talked about on podcasts. That's a deep cut to the Kermit lore. Yeah. But, no, I... I turned fascist. I'll tell the story. We'll put it after the boobs. I'll tell the story there's, again. There's a there's a debate over what the meaning of Attack on Titan was. Is, is it anti-fascist or is it fascist? That's the custard fascist. It's perfect. Yes, yes. But there's not a debate over whether the character of Aaron Yeager made the wrong choice. I hope. Spoilers for Attack on Titan. I'm not going to get into it, but like... The fact that's, that you are not sure <laughs> is a problem. I'm sure. I'm like, sure. I'm like, I don't know if this is... No, uh, yeah, you're, you're yeah. sure about your own feelings on it. Yeah. The fact that we don't know if the, the greater conversation being had about it is... For or against. I've definitely run into series and other things, let them be manga otherwise, where it's just like, this is very clearly topping at a topic, but I don't know how the plane is going to land, because it could land either way of pro or anti of whatever is being covered, and it can, it can be very like, oh gosh. There's also... But, uh, there, there's, I brought that up because the stakes are higher, because that that is an explicitly political manga yeah. that relates to things going on in the world today. I still wouldn't probably hop in just a general conversation about Attack on Titan. I don't exist in a lot of anime spaces to see these conversations because I don't want to talk to people about that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But I do think it's important to talk about. And the way I like to dissect media and stuff is to um, get on this podcast or get on a podcast or do a blog post after I've thought about it for a little bit. Mm. And I, I, I also, I feel like there's multiple levels to this because something like attack on Titan, I sort of feel is more sort of like a middle ground where, yeah, sort of the overall message should be fairly obvious and like people should probably agree on what that is, but, but what is the author's intention? Yeah. There's the author's intention and also the, the, ideas that it's tackling are sort of more complex, generally speaking. 
Whereas I feel like something like Freerian, it frustrates me a whole lot more because I personally feel like <laughs> the the topics that it's dealing with as far as human connection and, and emotions and all that stuff is so surface level to the story that's being told that it's, it's like so in your face. And so when people miss it, it's, it's that much more frustrating. I mean, they could be teenagers. It's the thing I always talk about that I don't you never know like who you're talking. talking. <laughs> you don't know who you're talking. You don't know what life experience they've happened. Uh, completely going off of the reservation of anime, I always have it's. I have the interesting time of talking to people who are into musicals of when they saw Rent because if they saw Rent then when they were teenagers or children, they love it. But I saw it as an adult and I said, these people <laughs> suck. This existence yep. is hell. This existence is kind of mean to people actually suffering. And I think it's really stupid. I don't have that like. Um, fanciful view of it because I live in the I have to live and work in the actual world I'm not a teenager or a college, a college student where it's still this there's an idealized world waiting for me I'm in it, I'm seeing what's happening I think it's stupid and if you don't have the life experience to notice those things you're not necessarily going to see them if you're not equipped but do you feel like Rent like was upfront about how bad that stuff was and it's, no, because rent is rent is glamorizing and celebrating. So in that that's, case, that's one where rent where it's like I don't know if this is. I think it's celebrating this, but there's like a singular moment, at least in the movie version, where it's like, are you pointing to these rich yuppies suffering for no reason because of their quote unquote art? And like, I guess that's the thing of like the the Attack on Titan, where it's like I don't know where this plane is landing mm. because it could go either way. It could be showing it's like yeah, these people suck. And there might be some through line, but it's like Rand, that's not what Rand feels. Rand that's does not feel that at all. The that then is taking the the track of the the work itself is wrong, so to speak, and what you should be reading into it is more complex than what it is presenting to you. You will read into it what your life experiences is the more point that I am trying to make. Yeah. And I feel like that's the thing with like Freer and if you're like a teenager and you're in high, like, you know, and you're like, oh, like you can see that more. But like even between the two of us on that topic of the romance, like we've clashed on that. I just to put it somewhere and, else. And yeah. And to be clear, like I'm, You've come around on it a little bit, it's, but you were you were really you it's were not that I was on it for months about it because we talked about it most every the, anime. The night. thing was, is it, I was it was never that I was like, no, they can't be in love. This is horrible. The it it wasn't supposed to be like that. You were like, a little bit. <laughs> the, it was just that it wasn't what open about that in the manga, and I I will give people that in the anime they they go into it a lot more it's there media media is a mirror you are going to see not literally yourself but you're going to see what you see in it there's yeah. you can anybody people can see stuff in things that isn't that aren't there like you can you can get themes out of things that the author didn't even intend or think about but it couldn't be there by virtue of how the work exists yeah um what? Just to, because I want to put it somewhere, and then Ben, whoever you can go on that. I just literally mm. just want to get this out because I liked it, and nobody commented on it. Of uh, I made a shit post uh, summary of Freer and of ancient auntie goes on road trip with her grandkids to find out she's not ace. Mm. <laughs> I did see that. That was pretty good. Yeah, and I was, was just good. like really proud of myself for that one. <laughs> no, I was how Stella say... found she had a groove in the first place. <laughs> oh, that's a good one too. No, I was going to say that, like, you're basically talking about just media criticism in general. And it, 
I would say nobody responds well to being scolded. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, exactly. If, if that's the tone these conversations would that's, take, I, like, I, I'm, I never. That that might be the tone that I take when when we are discussing these things because we are three friends talking to each other about this yeah. stuff. Even though we're putting this out, we're getting the world. frustrated at um, strangers. It's the it's the it's the it's the less murderous version of one person is a person and a thousand people are a statistic. Yeah. Like it's the it's the unwashed masses and the individual people that have their unique opinions and ideas right. and life experience. But whenever I approach these like online discussions and I'm, I, I type something up and, and put that out there. It's always much more individualized to the person that I'm responding yeah, you are to. Admi- you are admittedly the most online in that regard of the yeah. three of us. For example, but- I, I did, I did want to point this example out cause I, I think it's, it's very relevant and it just happened. Um, two or three days ago, there was a, uh, somebody posted on the Otome Isekai subreddit and they were talking about Villas Turns the Hourglass, something we're, we're very uh, well acquainted with. You've covered that one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And they were talking about how they they didn't like the the way... Oh, I forget already. It was... They met his kids or something? No, no, it wasn't that. Uh, but it was it was more like the relationship with, with the prince and, and Arya and like all this stuff. And... The, I responded to a criticism where they were like, oh yeah, and the fact that they actually met when they were kids was so random and, and out of the blue and like unnecessary. And I wrote like two or three paragraphs of like, no, actually, here's why that made a lot of sense and it actually worked really well for the story. And to, to juxtapose this conversation, I explained in very vivid detail the story elements that it was hitting and, and how why. did the person feel about that and i got complimented for it and i got upvoted and they were like oh i hadn't thought about that that's a that's really okay, good thank so you that's very- a, this is a yeah. good news story of it and so yeah. that's yeah. sort of my point is like, i think you i think in those moments you're coming from a place of because it can be it can be frustrating i have those moments where somebody's like i didn't like this because of this and it's just like did we watch the same thing like yeah. i don't see that i don't think there's a use to um actually people like no i don't want to be Depends like point. i have superior knowledge than you but i do feel like i can help people get more out of what they're reading you know so i think what you're experiencing here is that Literary criticism is kind of artistic, and you have a desire to to make art. That's like so you pretentious. Have an, you have an interesting <laughs> take on something that other people that you want to share with other people, and you think you really have something to say there. <laughs> but you think you have you really have something to say, and you want to say it. And and you you just feel that need to express yourself. And Why do you think we have a podcast? Yeah, sometimes yeah. you can do that in a podcast. Sometimes you can do a blog, or a video essay, or whatever. But that's where know. it all comes from. I think for me, thinking about it in my own things, which is why I don't generally converse with the populace at large about these things. Where it's like, I love this thing, and somebody can goes, I hate these things for this reason, and I hear the reason, and I'm going, Well, no, didn't you notice the things? Like the thing that you're angry about is present, like or like. Your problem is already solved in it. What did you miss? 
you don't need to not like you could like this thing yeah you just i guess this is where the i'm actually you could like this thing but you did it wrong which is not a good way to approach things (laughs) well and i honestly i think that's sort of where i'm coming from is like to me when i approach a new piece of media it seems obvious to me what is worth the time my time to pay more attention to it and look at the details and understand the deeper meaning versus something that I'm just going to consume at a surface level because it's fun and I'm going to move on. Whereas it seems like there's a large segment of the population that is only consuming things at a surface level and just like, you know, and this might be reductive, but Oh, flashing lights and pretty colors. Like, yeah. I mean, they may not know well. The reading comprehension is a skill, you know? Like, and I, I go back to our, like, you don't know who you're talking to. This could be children. This could be teenagers. Yeah. Um, to use my rent example with another one I remembered from one you guys have talked about for your manhwa where you see, um, like, the prince guy who's being an asshole, and you can very clearly see all the red flags that, like, young people who've never actually been in like a real relationship don't know those. So they're like, Oh, he cares. And you're just like, what are you talking about? Like these, here's a red flag and here's a red flag. And just people can lack the living, like the living experience of it or just the reading comprehension to know, to do that. We got lucky in our upbringings that like through our English clashes and whatnot and our other life experience, like we have that ability. We have that, we have worked that muscle before we became adults and have it and continue to work it now. And not everybody has that. And I feel like that's why we get frustrated with the discourse sometimes when people who don't have that muscle, but that's the thing is you can't know that. Mm -hmm. This is why I find it's really important to like know who I'm talking to. Like I've gotten to like, I've gotten the general vibe and temperature of the flop discord, which is, and our own discord, which is why I like talking to the people there because I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I use this as the example of that. Imagine you don't know me and you hear me talking the way I do about things online (laughs) with no context, but a profile image. You don't know what you're coming up against. You don't know what I'm about. You, you don't know if I'm a custard fascist or not. You don't know. (laughs) I did have somebody tell me that the Hobbit movies weren't that bad. And, and then you unfriended I, them? That was me. No, I, I, I did have that. to. I, have I to did un- have to. Brad, you have to get that. out of my house. It's a bad door. But, uh, no, that, I did have That to was me that leaving. Peter, <laughs> Peter Jackson needs to get on his hands and knees and apologize for those movies, and I right. will hear nothing to the contrary. I don't think that it needs to be three movies. I don't think they should have injected all that extra crap. Yes, they're not good, Brad. That's This is the same conversation we have all the time. They're not good. Those they're... movies are an abomination. A crime against God. I think you could recut it down to one movie. They and did. It, it wasn't really good, good either. You would make a new movie that was intended to be made like the thing, and it could have been good. It's not that the Hobbit movie couldn't have been good; it's that the Hobbit movies we got aren't good. Did anybody give it to Topher Grace to work on? Who is he? The machete guy? No, he's the that '70s show kid. Oh, yeah, he recut. He... Um, maybe it was, maybe it was Star Wars. That's the thing people cut. I forget what it was. No, he he recut something to actually be like a good movie, and it was. Anyway, um, <laughs> I did want to make one point, though. You mentioned, like, oh, the prince and the red flags and everything. Yeah. 
there's this interesting thing in the Otome Isekai community where all of these, you know, middle-aged women who consume this stuff, uh, they oh, very... You're going to get heat for that. No, th- what? Middle-aged? <laughs> I'm older than them. Um, you're not middle-aged. You're past middle-aged. Brad knows he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, Brad knows he's not going to make it. That's why he's reading all the manga now. They they see all of the red flags. They know that they're red flags, yeah. and they go, "Yeah, I don't care. He's hot. That's fine. I can. <laughs> I hey, I get it. I can fix him, or I can fix her energy. We get it. As yeah. long as I feel like a lot of that is that as long as you can know, go. I know this is a problem, but I can fix him. As long as you have that opening part, you're free to do the later part. But if you only have the later part, that's when we've got a problem. Because mm. if you go, I know better, but damn, though, she a, ba- she a baddie. I can fix her, though. <laughs> it's the freaking the new poison lady in Street Fighter. That was the big overlying thing on the Reddit I'm on. It was just like, it's like everybody goes, it's like, you can't fix her. But it's like, oh, dog, though, I can, I can fix her. <laughs> As long as you know, you it's the thing with the trash. As long as you know, and you can declare that, yeah. honestly and truthfully, you can do what you want. You can read at any level you desire, as long as you have the ability to know. That's what I wish everybody had. And I guess don't. And maybe... That's life. It may, uh, maybe this all comes down to, like, I feel like the raccoon in the dumpster full of rats. You are the trash king? I... I know what I am consuming is not necessarily good. And all of these other things running around are just eating it like it's a king's feast. But does that make you better? Probably not. It. I mean, if anything, it might make me worse. I'm the idiot who's actually consuming this stuff that I know is no good. You're the idiot king. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like I, I question, should I be telling these rats... <laughs> that they this they metaphor like trash. In, in this scenario the raccoon is like a god to the rats because <laughs> <laughs> he can open the raccoon is the one that can open the trash can to the good stuff yeah because he has thumbs yeah because he's got problem solving <laughs> skills there was a bunch of signs for raccoons on Cozumel which was not a sentence I thought was going to exist I didn't think there'd be raccoons on a tropical Mexican island but there are They're there's everywhere. enough there's there's enough to have signs about them and statues they can swim man. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I get frustrated by it, and then I go, should I, should I care at all? I think if it comes from a place of sharing and not scolding or telling, like Ben said. There was definitely a level of frustration for the fur and stuff, but generally speaking. Yes, I can attend, I can attend to that, that you were very (laughs) spicy about that for many weeks. Generally speaking, (laughs) it's more of a, I want everybody to, to get something out of this, that this, this piece of media that I think is important, that I think is doing something important. There are times to hold them and there's times to fold them, which, but which I mean, there is sometimes when you get like, you have to know when it's like, I'm getting too steamed. And this won't be constructive to, to anybody. Away. And sometimes there's the time to go, hey, I run. heard, I noticed this thing that you're not picking up on. Let me share it to you and see if you see it too. Yeah. And I How think that's Bato? the thing is to know when you are steaming or not. Because a lot of the other times, people, other people don't have the introspection level to do that. And right. it will just make things worse. How are your Bato comments doing? I, I'm pretty good, but I also... <laughs> 
generally speaking, I don't go into a ton of depth there. That's more snarky stuff. Because <laughs> that's the time to fold them. Don't go into the Bato comments. I just don't don't go into the YouTube general. comments. Oh, yeah. never go into the YouTube. Uh, you know, even more so than that, do not go into the Twitter comments. Mm. I did that, and it was a bad idea. I, I broke my own rule, my very steadfast rule, and had a really bad time. I do think the Discord, generally speaking... Discord, good. Is, is uh, Our Discords... A good place yes. to have those kind of conversations. Yep, because there's real people um, there. Reddit, to an extent... Depending where you are... Yeah. Reddit can get a little spicy. Yeah, Reddit. Um, Reddit's known for not always being the best, but it's probably a step up than Twitter. I feel YouTube. like the the Bato comment section should be better than Reddit, but is somehow way way <laughs> worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. This is a this is the kind of thing where it's like I'm still gonna argue with people online there's no like, answer i don't there's no true answer <laughs> it's just just i just need to you know spew my feelings for a little while this is our, own, this, is our <laughs> this is our progression fantasy have you ever wanted to get japanese snacks candy drinks or toys and merch but you can't because the stores around you don't carry them what a shame. If so, you'll love Segoy Mart. They have all that stuff and it'll ship to you right away. Valentine's Day is fast approaching. If you order right now, you can probably get a gift for the love of your life. Ooh la la. Because that's who you should be getting Valentine's gifts for. Stuff from or just a food. male coworker you tolerate. Oh, oh. What are you trying oh. to say, Ben? What's that? <laughs> uh, so I think this was uh, pretty. A pretty good thing last time. <laughs> yes, he sees we, it. We tried something on air. I got I got something special for us to try. Um, ASMR. Ben's going to be really disappointed that he is an iron person. Am. Yep, that's what we chose it. Because what I have Despite right here you. is Kit Kat. Kitsukatsu. Kitsukatsu. It's, uh, I believe it's orange flavored. I can't read it though. Oh, that's all... good. You get to eat it. Oh, wait. There it says chocolate orange. Okay. I'll just spritz myself with that grape stuff we got ages ago that I love. What are you talking about? There's like a whole bunch of them. Are they all orange? Yeah. I don't like chocolate orange. What? I don't like chocolate orange. I'll try it anyway. <laughs> Eat it anyway. <laughs> Do it to spite Ben. Yeah, Ben. I will actually. I guess Ben has to sit there <laughs> and Spite's watch us. Powerful motivator. We all know it. <laughs> I see this nefarious plan. In America, we just recently got churro Kit Kats. Ooh. They're I had a churro okay. waffle while oh. I was on the boat. That is, oh, it's just a hint of orange. It's pretty good. Mm. Ben, you'd really like this. That's a chocolate uh, ben, orange I, Kit I, Kat. I actually know I would because I had it in the sampler pack. <laughs> <laughs> There's, um,. There's five more here, if you want to come get one. <laughs> mm. Well, that's the kind of amazing thing that you can order at Segoy Mart. If or only I'd used code APR15. <clears throat> All of our listeners can click the link in the description <laughs> or use code APR15 
at checkout. It's really thick chocolate. Yeah, you don't have you can you out of your drink to get fifteen percent off your first purchase. Segoy Mart, taste the thickness. <laughs> I'm going to be legit. Every month they put some really cool, interesting chips in there, and I have a great time with them. We should probably be clear. So we get um, a, a, a box from Japan Crate, which is owned by Segoy Mart. I guess I should have been clear about that, yeah. Yeah, and so we get like a sampler basically every single month. But almost everything that you can get in the uh, Japan Crate you can buy on the Segoy Mart um, individually marketplace whatever yeah, more, the, more whistle candy yeah um so stuff like the kit kat especially that's really good but it's strong that that is dark chocolate oh you must have had a different one than mine i don't remember mine being that dark really yeah don't I give me another one all the same <laughs> don't you give me another one sometimes there's things that you like and sometimes they're not and sometimes it depends on taste yeah but like there's like of. 600 different kinds of kit kat so you can go on there and which we get whatever kind you want. Give, give the, a shot. The sam- I love some. The Kit Kat sampler is actually probably the best deal. It's like 120 Kit Kat, like two little two packs for like 40 bucks. And there's like, you know, 15 different flavors in there or whatever. Um, Bro, the, the sweet potato Kit Kat will change your life. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It's so good. Anyway, so like I said, go to SegoyMart.com. Uh, use code APR15 and you get 15% off your first purchase, which helps us out too. So um, do that, please. Sugoi. 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 Well, it's time for. Oh yeah, I forgot. I have to do that. Manga book club. I don't... Well, and you have to do more because apparently today we're going to talk about something that you've read recently. I read a book, but it wasn't a manga. It was a book about manga. I read manga manga, the world of Japanese comics. By Frederick L. Schott. I can't read it. It's very German. I don't know. <laughs> um, this was a book I got to research more about manga. It was supposed to be about Jump, but it was just in general. Because I'm like, hey, this is a thing I read a lot and think a lot about. But I don't really know a lot about of its origins outside of what Ben has told me. <laughs> um, and the thing that I found actually the most interesting about this for me is that this was a book written for Western audiences... In 1983, and then somewhat updated in 1997. And then he makes a specific point of like, hey, instead of just updating again, I just wrote a new book, which I'm going to read at some point. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I would say it's very different these days than it, it was is back excessively then. different because at the time he's talking about the magazine is doing gangbusters, which like obviously we're like three decades out from that, and the magazine is on its dying legs. And it's interesting to see that. But some of it, and we talked about in the first segment, some of the things that I learned, it's it's interesting to see what shaped this medium in a way that, like we said with her comics code, we didn't get. And the way that it took place and the way the culture of Japan and the way 
things work, how it became the kind of platform for stuff. Um, but one of the things I want to touch on before I get more into some of the other information in it is that it's interesting to just go back this far. Uh, what of the of every manga mentioned in this book? This what? Of how many pages? Admittedly, a lot of them are like t tastes of manga at the end. Um, all of which I kind of hated, <laughs> admittedly. Uh, what, it's like about 150, 160 pages? Um, I'd only heard about maybe four or five of them, and I only had read one of them. Uh, young up-and-comer, Akira Toriyama's Dr. Slump! He hasn't <laughs> written anything else, it's just Dr. Slump! What's, I don't know what Dragon Ball is, that hasn't even happened yet! Um, which is just, it's so weird even outside of the, like, literally what society is to be like, all the big names I know about are not even on the wind yet. Heck, some of them not, might not have even been born yet. Yep. And I just, yeah. I find that, I always find it fascinating to go back. So if that's something that interests you, I would say read this. And just if you want more of that context, like cultural context of like how manga came to be, I'm excited to see when he wrote the follow-up one and if he's got more to connect it more to now. But it's weird, like, I'm just, I'm living in a post-One Piece world. Like, or dra freaking Dragon Ball. Like, that is just, like, that is such a tentpole series to be talking about and to just not have it present is strange to me um and the other thing oh this drove me nuts uh at the end of the book like i said they gave you tastes of manga of a couple different series and we're when this was written they're still in the era where they're reversing the pages so they read <laughs> left to right which drove me insane because i'm just wired when i see comics now to read top right to left and then work my way down and they have reversed it and it was just like it was like there was a time not that many decades ago that that's what happened to stuff coming over from japan uh at one point he mentions like one of the reasons this hasn't really caught on in america yet which haha funny to look at that now <laughs> is that there are just visual shorthands that we now take for granted that they didn't understand what is it here here i'll do a little quiz i was thinking about this what does it mean if a character has like a bubble coming out of their nose they're tired they're asleep yep what does it mean when a character gets a nosebleed? They They're saw horny. something sexy. Yes. I didn't like. I didn't think about like. Well, of course I know what those mean because we've been we've been osmosising it for years. But like, it's like the eighties that they're like Americans don't know these like short visual shorthands, and it makes it interesting to read this where it's like so few of these have come to America. I think almost all the ones they put at the end at the time. Um, I think only one of them had an official release in america which was barefoot gen which i had heard of before which oh is... i feel really bad for anybody who read that when it came out that they like look at these and they're like oh i really like this one and then they can't actually read it anywhere well i mean now almost assuredly because what it's a uh, work by uh phoenix by osama tezuka there's a lot of tezuka sucking off in this book he literally wrote the forward <laughs> and some of that might be like ben i kind of need you for that because like he's a guy that i know about conceptually like a little bit but like i don't know where he fits into it i don't know i haven't seen many of his works like at most it's like he wrote astro boy and ben astro told me boy, they found yeah. furry porn in his desk when he died <laughs> That's he, about he did a lot between those two things yeah. he did a lot like he's there's a reason why he's mentioning it. what's he known for astro boy and that's the thing that I would freak. remember. <laughs> Admittedly, of the four sections, the little selections they put in here, his for Phoenix was the only one that I finished and enjoyed. The other three just like 
I thought were terrible and pissed me off. Um, there's one called Ghost Warrior that was like a weird, like, um, like a, a Japanese World War II pilot, like, crashes and this guy saves him and he brings him to this island. And he's like, oh, I'm the private here or whatever. I've been holding it down. But it seems like he's like, the soldier's like, shouldn't we go back to war? And he's like, no, I'm here. And then there's like, babe show up and like very racist aborigines show up and it's just like i'm gonna stop reading this i don't want people to see me reading this i don't want to be reading this <laughs> um there was a very i felt like you guys of uh like a for girls one that felt very uh up your guys thing which was very like the prince and princesses and their big their big eyes and royal machinations and i was just like i can't do this one and then barefoot gen which is about uh i think it's an autobiographical story about post like the nuke literally the nuke drops and it was weird of like uh hey listen to our recent episode for shonen jumping gun on do retry i think even though do retry is not very good i think do retry handled the nuke and firebombing of japan better than barefoot gen the series that's known for it because (laughs) the way it's portrayed in the art style and the verbiage is comical to my modern eyes, which made me feel weird to have something that I know is very serious in a, in a work that I'm being told in this is like this perennial thing. Like Barefoot Gun is the one that got officially recent in America because it's like, hey, learn about World War Two. Like this is what the country, like this is how Japan dealt with having the, you guys dropping the nukes on them. And just like the art being like, this looks like Injecting a silly down. gag manga and not like a serious thing which is what it is because it's autobiographical it's talking about very serious things and it was just like the tone's all wrong like how much these things have changed and i guess like brad you're even worse than me with this like ben you're my connection line like how much classics from before like our time like (laughs) what doesn't make it because it's like we, I feel like a lot of our stuff only starts when anime starts happening in America, and that's where like our weeb roots start. And we don't really, even though there was stuff before it, we don't really go back that far, mm-hmm. unless it's your Speed Racers and your Astro Boys, and that's in like this weird, messed up amalgam form. Uh, I'd say very few things from before like 1985 have come over. And made any kind of impact because you have Tezuka. He he did the. I don't know if he coined the phrase manga, but I think we talked about this before. Like um, in Japan, they're called komiku, um, and manga is a word for it. Manga means like whimsical picture, and that was Tezuka's style. And Tezuka had such an outsized influence that you can tell for a long time that style he developed that was really directly related to Disney became the standard. And that's how you wind up with Gekiga, which are dramatic images. Yep. They, they mentioned Gekiga Uh, in here. Um, Gekiga, that was like a, that was when it starts to get into the protest movements and there's a little bit more of a rebellious attitude. They want to show sex and violence and, and political themes in the comics. They, but they all grew up on Astro Boy and Tezuka's stuff. And then eventually Tezuka started feeling like he was falling out of the zeitgeist and he was a man who needed to be the center of attention. <laughs> so he started making Gekiga as well. <laughs> and 
um, ultimately he started making porn. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's you either I, die hero or live long enough to make porn. <laughs> to make, to die with fairy, live long well, enough and, to die with fairy porn in your desk. And Tezuka made an anime studio, I think it was Mushi Studios. Yep. And they talk about it, it's like, he was an artist, but he wasn't a money guy, and that place closed. But now he's got another one now, don't worry. Like, yeah. And then I think between when he wrote the Ford when the book originally came out, and when he did the follow-up update to it, he's like, Tezuka has passed. They did not mention the furry porn. <laughs> found in the desk. Maybe, they, maybe they hadn't unlocked the desk yet. Like, you think uh, he was his granddaughter who ratted him out. Or his daughter, I think, ratted him Who's out. Who's the guy that opened Capone's locker? Oh, um, Geraldo. Geraldo opening up Capone's glove box. <laughs> opening up Osama Tezuka's work desk. It's funny yeah. that you, you said ratted him out. Oh, uh, yeah, because Mickey Mouse was probably in there. It was mice. Oh, like the it was sexy mice. Oh, I didn't know it was sexy mice. <laughs> but it's it was no. it wasn't actually porn, but they were very sexually drawn mice. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> yeah, very little Gekiga came over. As far as I know, I don't know anybody who published it. I've never seen it on a shelf. I mean, it's like why would you go back to this stuff that no one's ever heard of that's probably out of taste and out of fashion? by literally decades like you wouldn't and outside of a historical context why would you pay somebody to localize this yeah it's definitely not going to be broadly popular as no. entertainment it would it would have to be some niche press the the that, things that i read in here that were translated at the time i didn't like like by a white yeah. like to the point where i didn't want to finish them or they actively like culturally pissed me off like well there's gonna be a lot of that yes yeah. there is um <laughs> But it was, I I felt it was very illuminating to see all this history to to know that Japan had a at a time a thriving political comics thing that they had they had picked up from the British and the American like hearing them going like, oh we like them it's like when the comics code comes and they're like oh we love this blondie stuff but then all of a sudden they just started not publishing cool stuff anymore, but like how much that influenced early Japanese manga of them figuring it out, um, how much. And maybe even still now, like manga artists, like there are, there's no formal training or background. They just sort of get into it and they just start submitting stuff and writing. Um, well, with, even Tezuka was a he was like a doctor, a doctor or some sort of medical something to rather. dodge the draft. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That part was that part was not. He's an mentioned. interesting guy. <laughs> <laughs> he almost got kicked out for sexually harassing nurses. I could believe that. Um... But how so much of this is a is a lay people coming into this and the popularity forming around that. Like, this isn't... As much as I shit-talk Japan's Christmas for being uber-capitalist, how much of this is so, like, artist-focused? Like, by and large, at least at the time this was written many decades ago, like, it is wild how much the artist had the power over what they were writing. I, I said earlier, of like, when there were the parents groups that's like, this is too much, this is too violent, this is too sexual... The publishers are just like, fuck you. We're just going to keep publishing these things. They, like, backed up their artists. Like, it was just very... It, it was such a weird thing. Like, I guess because we're used to comics being, like, a collection of people. And a manga's like, there's the mangaka, and I guess he's got some assistants. I don't know if they talked about this, but, like, it's also... It wasn't big business. It was super cheap to make. Um, a lot of it would go into libraries. 
where it could just be lent out. There was specific. Uh, I read about their the library things because I know you've talked about that before, Ben. But that there were specific artists and publishers who were just that. And I'm sure some yeah. of the the magazine ones, but also that this was supposed to be a very you read through it and you're done. But then, but also seeing how early on they understood the idea of the magazine informs the tankabons. Also, they don't use the word tankabon. Like, there's so many words that we now go like, oh, we know that word. It's a loan word now. Where they have to be like, they, they, he's constantly comic comics instead of manga. Like, he literally talks in the forward where it's like. He was like, I wasn't going to call it manga manga. Like, my editor told me not to because nobody knows what that means because it's the 80s, which I think is yeah. apt in America. Um, but it's like the the magazine, the popular of the magazine shows you what to print Tankabons for you. The popular of the Tankabon shows what's going to get an anime made for it. The popular of the anime tells you what's going to get the movie made for it. And this, like, that they already had this such a clear line, like, back in the 60s for all of that and merchandise and like I didn't think about it where they were talking about it's like the people who are on top are making money because where else is the money going at that point in time is to them like it was a I never think about something like drawing comics as like a lucrative career that is out like that is within reach of like not just a couple like supernovas but like it was back then because there was money in the magazines oh yeah and I think to an extent, even though the parents groups got involved in everything, it was kind of just beneath the Japanese government. Like, they've just never really gotten that involved in comics. Well, I mean, like, the government's more about the political stuff. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's some of the, the drawings of their comics are just like, this looks American me. Like, this is something that could be in the West. Like some of their gag comics, it's like this is a this is a shit post that looks like something from like the eighties that you'd see in the Sunday funnies, and you don't think you go like, Japan, they have their own art style. They're completely disconnected. It's like no 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 no. Like this is an Uroboros. This is this is informed from their own cultural stuff. Like they, like they make a point in this book to talk about like the way the thing the things they're drawing the Japanese are drawing art about, um and all that, but also. The way that these other things are coming in pre World War Two, pre World War One, about where they're getting the inspiration to do this stuff, like all the pieces were there for this to come together to make this the big industry. That was the cheap thing. Um, the thing I didn't think about that made a good point, where it's like if you're going to work and you're getting on the trains in a kind of collective uh, society that Japan has, where it's like be courteous to your fellow man in a lot more or less a way like America's like big loud brash play your music you're on the train you're going to work you need to be courteous to other people you're by yourself what's more quiet and for yourself and entertaining and cheap like manga is and I think that's part of why I mean they talk about in the book like why that as a platform blows up because it's kind of perfect for what's going on it is cheap you know easily recyclable move onable entertainment that's really good to do quietly by yourself and I just think in the way that we talk about like how the society forms the heroes and villains, that the society forms what mediums grow and why and Definitely. how. And I mean, the way things work around things. I already talked about like the government comes in and it's just like, hey, no more political comics. Or like when the Americans come in after World War II and it's like, yeah, all your like war and samurai bullshit, get that out of here. We don't want this to happen again. Like this it's the it's the little bit of denazification you get from Germany in Japan. So it's like for a while you just 
don't get samurai stories, but that fighting spirit needs to come out somehow. Um, and at least this book purports, I don't know the time period well enough, it's like that starts showing up in like sports manga, that feeling of, of training and fighting and pushing beyond your limits. It can't take place in war, so it takes place on, you know, the school grounds or something. Yeah. And the way they express these ideas and have to work around other ones. Um, The big early Gekigo was a boxing manga. uh, Ashito no Joe, I think, is the name I heard a lot. That shows up in Joe. Joe something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They talk about sports stuff. They talk about, like, it's interesting to see how early a lot of these forms. There's an entire chapter on girls' manga, and that feels like such a precursor decades and decades and decades later to what you're doing on heroin addiction. (laughs) Uh, There's an entire chapter and bit on, um, like, what do they call it? Um, Like, work or, like, craftsmanship manga, which, like, I don't think we personally see a lot, but, like, sports are kind of a part of that, where it's like, this guy's a carpenter or this guy makes sushi or something like that and seeing the the growth in that it was funny to the time period that there's like an entire segment of that chapter about mahjong manga <laughs> which like we're extra never getting that over here and good riddance because i'm a i'm an american yakuza player and i don't know what the fuck mahjong is hey we got hikaru no go once we did get time. go but like it's like, like that is a that is a one-off because like he makes a spe- the author makes a specific point of like if you don't know what mahjong is because they are written to an audience that there's there's so much mahjong manga that is yeah. written for an audience that already knows what mahjong is at that point in the way that it's like i could say like earlier where it's like oh we know now the visual shorthand because it's artists in there contain like they're writing for monthly and then later weekly like how do i capture this idea this idea visually and quickly and you have like that economy of... slapping down a tile like a potato chip. Yeah, <laughs> that would be like um, in Dogs Red, where they have to explain what hockey is. And as someone who knows what hockey is, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> but it's important because not everybody knows how that sport works, and that's you know that's what Hikaru Nogo did, and to an extent, what we're constantly getting with like Akane Banashi of like, yeah. here is what this art form is, and the structure. So. um I'm excited to read. I'm excited. I'm happy that I read this book. I was hoping to get more things that I wanted to read, and I felt like it didn't do anything on that <laughs> front. But it kind of showed so many of the seeds of where we are now that even if I can't draw direct lines, like a lot of these are lost in our particular zeitgeist, and I can't speak to the Japanese system because, like, I don't live there and I'm not Japanese. <laughs> Big surprise. Um, but it is interesting to see how many of the things that are still present now we're already present then yeah um and it's always just funny to get these tastes of like here's a history book written decades ago um in that same vein of i read uh, there's this giant book on animation that was written in like the mid 90s that are like ah this well, there's some trailers this upstart toy story is about to come out <laughs> cg animation what's that and it's always fun to go back to pop culture stuff that it's like the giant thing that has come and gone and has been gone for years is the big thing on the horizon to them at the time they wrote it. So, um, I would, if you, if you enjoy the cultural context for manga stuff, I would definitely suggest this book, manga, manga, the world of Japanese comics. I will probably report back when I get my hands on the follow up one, anything else this guy's written. 
Um, I'm hoping that follow-up one gets closer to like when I start knowing what things are. Um, <laughs> but it's a cool history thing that only a few decades ago, like, what, f- four decades ago, the landscape is like unrecognizable to what it is now, where it's yeah. like it's everywhere and very well known, and we rewrite to left, and we understand all the shorthands. Like things are generally untouched because we know we get it. And back then, it's like we can't read right to left. <laughs> we don't understand these cultural references. We don't understand what this shorthand iconography is. Like, what's a salary man? What's a samurai? Like. Those are now funny things to think about as being problems that we are just like, oh, yeah, we just get it. It's a part of our culture now, too. So that's my book report on this book that I read about manga. <laughs> oh, well, that was a, a literal manga book club. Yep. Manga. We did it. We did it. We got there. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's really interesting. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I hope... Um, I hope our listeners got some interesting information out of that and maybe check it out on your own. Sounds like a short but good read. Yes, I would I would I would recommend it. It looks a little chunkier because like I said they have a bunch of the like manga taster plate at the back, but um read this on vacation and breezed by pretty well and I felt and informed. If you wanna check out some older manga that you've probably never seen before. If it's even in America now, who knows? Yeah. But it does. They give you a lot of like example panels of the things they're talking about. So it's neat seeing the way visuals have changed over time and certain styles that we just don't really see that they used to draw. Like, like I said, like some of them look like old Sunday papers in America. Right. Well, thanks for listening to That Time I Got Reincarnated in the Same World as an Anime Podcaster. All of our social media links like Discord, Patreon, and those other ones are on our website, AnimePodcasterReincarnation.com. You can also find articles on various topics as well as new manga reviews. And we'd love to hear from you on any of those social platforms. You can leave a comment right on the site. You can even just send an email to isekaisenseisama at gmail.com. We're always looking for feedback and we'd love to chat with you on the topics that we cover. If you prefer to listen to the podcast in high quality stereo, be sure to check out our YouTube channel where we simul release all the episodes. We also release that version early on Patreon. So if you can't wait, you can join us there and listen as soon as the episode is done cooking. In addition to getting the episodes early, all tiers also get to vote on the next series that we cover on heroin addiction, as well as getting a shout out. Speaking of heroin addiction, definitely uh, get subscribed. We're doing some something special for not the next episode, but the one after that. Uh, we're going to be covering three of the worst manhwa. <laughs> we need to uh, set a baseline for our rubric, figure out what's actually good and, and what's not, because I'd say we've been rating things pretty high, although compared to the the scores that get given they're they're a little on the low side so we need to see you know just where the bottom of the barrel is i'm steepling my fingers in evil excitement <laughs> i'm excited too i think there are, there will be some gems maybe i don't know could be terrible as an outside viewer i do think it's important that you find out what the bottom is because that i think you need that to calibrate a scale yeah if you only ever eat the gourmet food how do you know what's bad 
Uh, we also would like to hear from people on what kind of perks they want to see on Patreon. So um, come join us and, and let us know what you want to see. And of course, we got to shout out our patrons. So at our reincarnator tier, we have Moon, who's a friend of the show. She's guested uh, twice so far. She's a moderator on the r slash Otome Isekai subreddit, um, which you should check out if you're into the Otome Isekai stuff. It's a, it's a fun place to hang out. Also at our reincarnator tier, we've got Cake Dwarf. And as is tradition now... I'm going to butcher some more German. I'm going to butcher some German here. Here we go. Ich bin nicht so gut in der Duschen Asprach wie ich dacht. I actually forget what that means. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> I wrote it a couple days ago and I forgot. Trust so. your prior self, I guess. Um, yeah, so Cake Dwarf is, is yet to come on and, and tell me how bad I, badly I've butchered everything. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to hear back. <laughs> Truly faint-like patience. Uh, at our merch tier, we've got Kill Hour. Shout out. Shout out to Kill Hour. And last and definitely not re- least... Uh, our commenter tier, we've got Rena. Thank you, Rena. And uh, before we go, I wanted to thank Segoy Mart again and remind everybody that you can get 15% off your first order by clicking the link in the description or using the code APR15 at checkout. Kermit, you want to plug? Uh, yes, yeah, speaking of plugs, you can catch uh, me and Brad on Shonen Jumping the Gun, as we said, on this very feed where we read the first chapter of a manga and make wild-ranging uh, predictions and uh, opinions about it from very little information. So uh, we've got some interesting episodes coming down the pipe. I don't know what will be out now. We, 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 next we, uh, next one to come out is episode 10. Episode 10. It's a, It's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta subscribe and listen to find out. You gotta hear it to believe it. And uh, later on, uh, it's probably gonna be a couple episodes at this point. But we're gonna have a special guest. We're gonna have some. We have some. We have some cool stuff coming down the pipe. We're hopefully, gonna get more uh, special guests. And uh, Ben, what do you guys got going on over at Words About Books? Oh, finishing up the Hunger Games. Then we'll be focusing on another book. Going into some some sci-fi, mm. um, and then we're gonna be dropping like a, a an intro post, I guess, to a Tolkien deep dive. We're gonna be doing that's going to be a we're calling it a mini series, but it's gonna take years. So. <laughs> Macro series. The episodes are become, mini. Yeah, yeah, that'll probably be coming out in February. So, and uh, you said that those Unless ones, you're a patron. those ones are coming out on Patreon every week. If you're, uh, if you're a Patreon, you get them as soon. We're recording them in batches, and if you wanted to join the Patreon, um, you get them as soon as I finish editing them. Nice. Otherwise, they're going to come out once a week on the main feed. Which do you value more, money or time? Yes. Well, once again, thanks for listening, and you know. If you end up exploring another world, make sure you aren't just looking at the surface level.
Superman is never going to be mean to a random civilian he's trying to save or interact with. Okay, sorry, it's a squeaky door. Um, <laughs> um, an English-made book about manga and... Shoot, I lost my train of thought. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, cut that last little um bit. <laughs> I don't know the, the words to that song. Oh, yeah, tailspin. Oh, yeah, tailspin. Dance together through thick and thin with another, another tailspin. All right. That's that's the thing. We Do you did have to the record thing. a thing because I have to tell the custard story now? Oh, yeah, go for it. Okay. So. I'll do the I'll do the boop for you guys. Boop. So the the custard fascist story is so last week Brad and I went out for dinner and he really wanted custard so we went to this new custard place. Frozen custard. Frozen custard. Is there a different kind? I mean regular custard. Is that not frozen? That's more like pudding. It's like pudding, yeah. Okay. Um so it's it's hopping and bopping for some reason on this chilly Sunday night. This tiny little store. Tiny little store. I don't, we don't know why it was so busy. And we're like in line packed shoulder to shoulder. And there's this like young 20 something kind of scruffy looking guy with like a little knit cap on slightly in front of us in line. I would say probably because we're kind of crushing in there like maybe like arm's length at mask for, max for me. But I, I've got admittedly a wide reach. Um, and on his hat, I can see pins for what looks like. A SWAT sticker, but some other stuff I can't quite make out, and a, like, the American flag with a thin blue line on it, but then there's, like, an orange, like, kind of horizontal cross outline on it. But I'm not wearing my glasses, so I can't see them enough to make out what's going on, and to get any closer to this man would invade his personal space and be weird. I also don't want to go, Brad, Brad, what's on his hat? Is this, is this guy a Nazi? Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to speak too loudly and alert this man. So I'm just stuck in this, like, Schrodinger's cat situation of, is this man a fascist or is this like an anti-fascist punk? Are these anti-Nazi, anti-blue line pins? And it's important to note that the area that we are in, in central Pennsylvania, it's really up in the air which one it could be. This, this guy had an aura that could have gone in either direction. Usually, Sometimes you can get a read on people, but genuinely it's like this could go in either direction. Sometimes I, it's hard to tell with punks. I don't know how aware everyone is, but um, I think everybody knows about the whole January 6th thing and how they've arrested a lot of people yeah. and a lot of people have been getting sentenced. It's something like 80% of the people who were arrested and sentenced so far are from Pennsylvania. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whoops. Granted, we're like right there. So I know, like... but I'm going to I'm gonna have to remember that statistic. That's fun. <laughs> but yeah, and then we finally get out to the car and I'm like, Brad, did you see that guy's like possibly fascist pins? And he's just become the story of the, he's the Schrodinger's fascist. He could have been, he could have been a fascist. He could have been an anti-fascist. And I will never know. Yeah, because unfortunately, I did not see it. He didn't notice at all. Because I, I did didn't not win. see. Hey, it. Um, all we so know that's is a, he has a strong political stance. He has a strong <laughs> one way or stance. another. That's, and I felt that was very fitting to Attack on Titan, where it's like, could that have this been pro or anti? I don't know. I didn't have my glass <laughs> reading depth. I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't tell. <laughs> to get any closer to it would have been invading his personal space. <laughs> and this is the situation we were stuck in. So that is the story of the the Schrodinger's custard fascist. <laughs> that I should have asked him telling people. Should ask 
as as like a crypto question, like how do you feel about Attack on Titan? How do you feel yeah, about that, Aaron Yeager? That's, I, well, unless somebody goes really into, because like at a surface level, you can be like, oh yeah, I really like that. Yeah, yeah it doesn't really tell good. you anything because a lot of people really <laughs> liked Attack on Titan in the beginning. That doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, but how, like, how much did context? you like it? Did like you really, yeah, did you you really like it? it, or did you just sort of like it? <laughs> If you were to choose an anime profile picture. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that just opens another, like that's the second tier of the can of worms to open to know what's inside the box. What's in the box? (laughs) He says an anime girl. That's the, I don't know. That's still unsure. Yeah. Yeah, that's tricky. Does she have glasses? (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) 